let me just go back a step yeah. because I wanted to ask you do you think your undergraduate experience prepared you for independent practice no what is going on why why is this recruitment crisis occurred and you know why is it that people don't want to work these nhs jobs anymore why is it that everybody wants to do composite bonding and sex dentistry but the skill set isn't there and the fear of litigation is there but still they want to do the complex stuff what is it what is that instant gratification yeah. comes to mind wow i feel okay. like we're in a generation where we want something we want it now ah, okay behind that one post that they've done you've not seen the hundred failures that's happened before that exactly, yeah. and for me that that's i've that stuck with me as like how many cases it taken them to get to get a good case like that whereas i tend to find that again talk to young people that that is where they want to go they don't want to do the routine care stuff they don't want to be the general dentist they want to be the cosmetic dentist and naturally that is actually you know riskier is it not yeah. Anybody who says NHS dentistry is attractive at the moment, come and speak to me. <laughs> I lost my father a year and a half ago, so it made me realise that the perspective and everything like that put, really put things into perspective for me about what really matters. Working six days a week, mm. I still make money. If you work well and you work effectively, you can make as much money doing four days as you can do in five days. Mm -hmm. I, need, I need the mental space to do real things. I need to be able to enjoy life. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Dentistry Unmasked. Today my guest is Iman Khalid, who is a dentist local to me here in Leeds, and she has an interesting story about her undergraduate experience. So she qualified uh, during all the lockdown restrictions, so teaching was moved online, uh, and that continued during her foundation training, and she feels that that didn't really adequately prepare her for general practice, which is a story common uh, to many young dentists that I talk to. So have a listen. Uh, it's also discussed in this episode about how bodies such as the BACD and, and, and uh, associations, which are very similar, are, are now really, really important to our young dentists because it really helps them get that clinical grounding, which they feel they're not actually getting now at undergraduate level, which is really interesting. So have a good listen. Uh, your likes, your comments and your shares are always much appreciated. And I'd just like to remind you all that a like and a comment on this video or this podcast, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, and a comment and a share uh, would make you eligible for winning a free vertical preparation kit, which is kindly supplied to us by former dental supplies. So guys, have a listen. I always appreciate your, your, your viewing and your listens and your comments and your feedback. So, you know, much appreciated. Hope you enjoy the episode. Iman, thank you for coming onto the podcast to have a chat with us today. Uh, thank you for about me. Absolute, well, no, thanks for taking the time to come and talk to us. Us, me. <laughs> thanks for taking the time to come onto the show. So, um... I've talked to a few guests up till now, and the reason why I'm doing this is because there is, I feel, uh, a difference in attitude across the generations. So, I mean, we have older dentists who look at the younger generation, such as people like yourself, who are just like, why can't they just do what we do? You know, why can't they just do, you know, 30 patients a day? Why do they need more time for checkups? Like what we were talking about, you know, before we uh, uh, jumped into the studio. Yeah. Whereas... There's a lot of younger dentists which are just like, I don't want to work like that. That isn't the dentistry that I want to do. This is, you know, the, the things that people do, such as amalgams, 
checkups, etc., etc. You know, I don't want to do that. I want to do cosmetic dentistry. So there is a bit of a disconnect there. So the whole point of this podcast is try to really bury down deep and, and understand the issues that nobody really wants to talk about, or if they are talking about it, the message isn't really getting out there. So thank yeah. you for coming on today. And you know, I really want to kind of dig down to what a young dentist experience is now. Yeah. Because, you know, for me, I've had 20 years of experience. God, it's been that long. Yes, I'm a dinosaur now. <laughs> I am, I'm officially a dinosaur. But, you know, to you, this is just dentistry. There is no, this is how dentistry used to be. So what is the dental world today? What is the undergraduate experience like today? What is the world that you are coming out to work into today? So... Please, let's start with your uh, undergrad experience, first of all. So where did you qualify for? So I qualified in Leeds mm -hmm. um, in 2020. So I was in the COVID era. That's the year of COVID, basically. Class of 2020, basically. That's where I graduated. Mm -hmm. um, undergraduate experience. Um, up until probably 2019, everything was fine, plain sailing. I think there was always uh, an aspect where there was always we were known that we had less totals than previous years and, the, you know, 10 years prior to that, this, that and the other, even just speaking to clinical tutors and stuff like that. Like back in the day, we had to do X, Y, and Z. And now it's only like half that or even less than that in some cases. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I just missed the cohort, which had it even worse for myself than myself. I feel like people who are just coming out of dental school at the moment is probably the worst affected by the COVID, even more so than just having totals reduced over the people the coming out now and you feel that's because um so because of covid um a lot of people clinics were essentially reduced to the amount of capacity that people were allowed um of course in yeah, and yeah, yeah. um also just the amount of totals that people generally the the number of uh totals have been reducing over the years mm -hmm. but i feel like the number of students coming in is more so maybe that's the reason why it is to facilitate more students coming through but I think that um, the COVID era made it worse for them students because your totals were less patients were not coming in patients were cancelling as well so I did uh, a joint dental foundation core training after I graduated so that's uh, one week in hospital and one mm -hmm. week in foundation practice over two years and I finished that in August 2022 and so for me I still was still in the dental hospital so I was still seeing and people's patients were cancelling or they needed longer to do stuff because they didn't have that much clinical exposure. A lot of things, a lot of the teaching was online. They weren't allowed to get the the clinical lab experience wasn't as much as it used to be when it was when I was there because obviously COVID and a lot of there was a lot of virtual teaching mm -hmm. essentially. So it means that less hands on for them, so less competencies for them as well. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, let me just give you a comparison because as I told you, I'm 20 years qualified and I qualified from uh, GKT. Uh, it was the second year. My year was the second year where Kings and Guys had merged. So, yeah. you know, GKT was a new thing when I was uh, when I was an undergrad. Uh, and I remember when I was uh, doing VT, I remember my trainer saying to me that I had such little experience at undergrad level. Such little experience. Yeah. Because my trainer had to do 60 surfaces of amalgam, 60 surfaces, or 30 surfaces of composite, 100 odd yeah. extractions, whatever. I had to do something like... 30 extractions i had to do something like maybe 15 plastic fillings i had yeah. to do maybe 10 root canals we had to do five not a minimum of 10 surgical sedations over a two-year mm -hmm. period in fourth and fifth year and you know 
looking back now, that's actually not a bad experience, is it? You know? Oh yeah, compared to compared to my says, yeah. myself, I think we didn't have to do a surgical, yeah. for example. That's something I only picked up when I did FD and then did my MaxFax Joint Dental Foundation card training. Alongside that, that's where I picked up my surgical experience. I I've, We were able to watch one yeah. as a dental student, but we weren't really able to do it. Yeah. Um, other things is like, obviously, your um, extractions totals, I think it was 25 when I was there. Mm-hmm. I think it's less now mm-hmm. uh, for students. Uh, root canal wise, I think it was five to seven canals, not even teeth. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, so for example, for my year, if it didn't meet the total, they looked at what you did in clinical skills lab and if if they could count that as towards it. And I think in some cases it was considered to be able to be counted if they had like, had all the tick boxes checked for it. That's not a real life scenario. You don't have the patient, you don't have the rubber dam, you don't have this, that X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So it's a completely different um, experience to what you'd get in real life where you're trying to put a rubber dam on. The patient said they can't breathe, they can't swallow, this, that, and the other. So there's a lot of, a lot of differences between that. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was once that I was going to do a root canal. The tooth had silver points in, in the tooth. So I right. needed the help of uh, the endospecialist and uh, found a fracture. And I was like, can I just fill the canals and then extract it afterwards because I need to get these totals. That's, a, that's how much I was like, obviously we couldn't do that. But I was just like, I just need these totals. And it was really, it's really difficult to try and get that, the totals as it is. And mm-hmm. um, obviously you have to try and get the patient dentally fit as well at the same time and if patients look quite long appointments it's a lot of commitment as well so sometimes you can ask the patient to be there for three hours and it's not feasible for some people um i don't know if it was the same oh, when yeah. it, was back, it was back in your day but i think like people have got more commitments and yeah. dental health is not considered as as I important i don't, I don't know sure. i think that's always been a problem well not a problem as such that is just the nature of seeing an undergraduate yeah. dental student in a dental hospital i suppose question for you how many sessions a week would you spend in in your clinical years seeing patients uh, so we're quite lucky at leeds um like i said for myself uh, we were we started seeing patients at the end of first year just mm. perio patients just started off with scales and stuff like that started off with a bit of root not root canal um rsd basically yeah, yeah. um started off with a couple of those and then we start by second year able to do like small basic fillings and then after that we were able to build up to slightly more complex and root canals probably by third year and then fourth year you're probably looking at like your cases so a mixture of stuff so your dentures would be third to fourth year as well yeah so a bit a mixture of stuff over the years um clinical so i think uh priority was always given to high years so they i think they had the most clinical experiences so you always um assisted somebody as well in your year so you wouldn't have a dental nurse you'd assist for each other and that was supposed to aid you with uh learning i guess right. watching somebody else do it whether i did or not i think people will argue for me i feel like in some experience in some experience it did but in other experiences i would just sat there suction in hand yeah i just sat there for three hours suctioning uh-huh. uh, or waiting for the clinical shooter really um so i think like first year maybe one or two sessions a week i think by the end of uh fourth fifth year uh after exams it was a bit more heavier so it was probably four to five sessions a week including an assisted session as well included two assisted sessions but it depends on where you were so you might have a ped session one week and then don't have it the next week and then vice versa so you might be on and off with some with some clinical experience in in that respect because like peds wasn't every week for me it was every other week um so we only got a session every other week for that and so you'd swap with the other half of the year to do uh the other week where you weren't doing that so you'd have some weeks you have slightly more clinical sessions than the week before hmm. so it'd be on and off basically okay does that to be to be fair it doesn't actually sound like you had less clinical time than yeah. somebody 
like me, who's yeah. 20 years qualified almost. So I'm just trying to work out where this perceived lack of clinical exposure comes from. Because I mean, things, as, as, as you know, I used to be a, a foundation trainer. I was yeah. also a longitudinal trainer where yeah. my FDs did one year in, uh, sorry, one week uh, with me in practice and one week in hospital. Yeah. And it was a two year training contract. Um, and I noticed a difference. I was saying this to Tony, who was uh, Tony Kilcoin, who was on the show, uh, yeah. you know, a few weeks back. Uh, I noticed the difference around the 2015 mark where dentists were coming out with less. I haven't done this before. Or, or I should say it was more a case of, oh, I haven't done this before. Like one of my FDs did his first root canal with me as an FD. Wow. Yeah. And it was just like, literally, I was showing him how to access a tooth. Yeah. I won't tell you where he qualified from, I won't tell you who it is. <laughs> but in the sense, he was just like, yeah, I've just never done a molar endo before. I've literally done, as you said, in in in, in, uh, in, in the lounge before we came through. He literally had done five canals, yeah. five incisors, and that was you know, him signed off as being competent yeah. in, that, in that procedure. So I'm just trying to work out where this this perceived lack of clinical time comes from because it sounds like to me that you had enough clinical time. But I suppose yeah. COVID for you for, yeah. for, for you was a big thing, wasn't I it? I think for me, COVID towards the end, because we it was like around finals time, but it was literally, I think, the week or two two weeks before finals, we told basically don't, don't come back. Mm. Um, so like half our cases were unfinished and stuff like that. Um in respect, it was probably about a week's worth of clinical time in total without putting all the sessions in, in together for actual we, we treating patients because it was from March that we were not allowed to come back. Mm. Um, but I feel like it was, like you said, like five canals is not like the same as doing a molar render. So for me, it's like I've not done, I hadn't done a, an, an access on every single tooth in the mouth. So I wouldn't have been able to, like for me, I, I wouldn't be able to say that I've accessed a premolar uh, an upper and lower premolar, upper and lower molar, and upper and lower incisor because I hadn't. Mm. I'd done five, six, maybe seven canals by that time, um, and I think one of them was one of them was an endo uh, that was on a molar. But apart from that, I think they were either premolars uh, or a, uh, an incisor or something along those lines. But it's just, and I think like people now like coming out of it, I think it's even less because they didn't have the clinical time that we had so even less so they're seeing patients i remember me going in when i was doing my longitudinal my jdfct going in and helping a student do an extraction because i was on, the, on my max Vax clinic i'd finished my clinic so i was like go and help um look at the undergrads and fourth year student and it was only the second tooth they were taken out in fourth year wow. so and they struggled mm. and like i had to i had to assist and it, it wasn't a difficult extraction but it was just just basic things like they wouldn't they hadn't put a a full cartridge of uh, well, uh, yeah. LA into this. And I was like, what were you going to do with the other half of the cartridge? Like, just mm. put the whole cartridge in. It was a ID block that given half a cartridge. Uh, and it's just stuff like that. I was like, there's only my second tooth that I'm taking out. And it was just like, and a nervous patient as well. So you've got a nervous student, you've got a nervous patient. It's just uh, a bit of a nightmare for everybody in that situation, mm. really. Luckily, I was there to help, but it's it's... I think it's that fear of doing wrong as well. I feel like that's really drilled into us as a young dentist. I okay. think that's that's something that's massively, I think, affected me. Mm. Is like when I make choices about a patient and I'm trying to do the best for the patient. Sometimes I have to think, oh, like, what if it goes wrong? Because you're always it's drilled into you from first year. That was Medical, actually going to be my next yeah, question. So indemnities come in and they to basically let's say let's to let's you, get down to that. Yeah. So when was your first? Kind of like exposure to the indemnity first, uh, companies. First, it was first year, wow. first week. 
first week of the first yeah. year. I think it was like, you can't have social media, you can't talk about politics, you can't do this, X, Y, and Z. Right. You, there, there's certain things you can't do, like, I don't drink, but obviously people do. It's quite yeah. a normal thing to, to do. And it's like, if you get drunk and there's pictures of you, that means you could not qualify this, that, and the other. Uh, a teacher got um, suspended or something for unprofessional behaviour because had uh, was a drunk and had a cone on their head or something like that. Somebody had seen that picture. So we're using examples of other professions as well. So that you're in a very similar profession that you, you have to have this professionalism outside your work capacity as well. So I even, even just look at like you know, what political party was. You could never post anything about anything about oh. that and stuff they were saying basically to us. So it was very much uh, scares you off from the beginning. Well, I suppose it kind of makes sense, actually, because social media wasn't a thing until after I'd finished yeah. dental school. I remember somebody sending me the very first email around 2004 saying, look, there's this wonderful new thing called Facebook. Let's connect so we yeah. can all stay in touch post-uni, you know? So we didn't have any of that. So... I suppose, yeah, it is necessary to get to you early to tell you about the danger of all these things. But then that whole thing, I mean, one, one big thing which I always uh, talk to, to, to young dentists like yourself about yeah. is that fear of getting sued. Yeah. So, I mean, there's two things there. There's the whole social media side of things, yeah. all social media training. But then where's that thing about getting sued, doing things wrong? You know? Yeah, so I think that was said to us as well. It was like, was oh, it? you're likely to be sued X, Y, Z amount of times in your in your career. Mm. Uh, you should always there's so there's always there's always that fear in the back of your head, and I feel like as dentists, we're quite a bit of a perfectionist, anyways, in what we want to do. We want to try and do it to the best of our ability. Well, I feel like I am. I'm pretty sure yourself is from what I've. You'd be proved. surprised. You'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. 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 I'm happy to let a lot of things go. <laughs> Yeah, I think that comes with age, does it? Uh, when you're a dinosaur <laughs> like me, yeah. But I feel like you start off and you always want to do the best, but then there's always that, oh, what if it goes wrong? Like, am I confident enough to do this? Because mm. I've only done X, Y, and Z amount of that time. Like I said, if I've if I've never done a molar upper molar endo, mm -hmm. I've done a lower one. It's not it's your angulation angulation's all going to be different. The way you hold your mirror is going to be different. So it's like, oh, like I can do the treatment, yeah. but will I will I do it well? Will it go well? Like, you don't know what the outcome's going to be. And I feel like that. And then there is this whole thing. And, like, even on the radio and stuff like that, there's, like, have you um, not be like, neglected dental health care, this, that, and the other, about your perio, et cetera. And that's on the radio. I had to change the radio station over. Things like that scary, are able scary. to yeah. just be there. And, like, imagine if a patient's in your chair and you're telling them they've got perio for the first time and they've not been diagnosed by it with somebody else prior to you mm -hmm. it's like oh yeah I could I could do that dentist did you get the dentist before it's just it is scary it is a scary 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 time that we live in and I feel like it's only going to get worse if I'm honest mm -hmm. I feel like um, because so many people are scared of doing stuff and when they do actually venture out to do it and it doesn't go to well people are always going to be like oh, well, whose fault is it well it's the dentist's fault yeah you see it's interesting to hear that, but there is a little bit of a paradox there because I find, again, that, you, you know, th there's, there's higher risk of litigation with higher risk treatments, right? Yeah. Stuff like cosmetic work. Yeah. Stuff like implant work. Yeah. Actually, I, I mean, I'm not. I, I don't know the true statistics on this. So yeah. you know, keyboard warriors, I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> but um, you know, I would presume that the the highest risk of litigation would come from stuff like failed cosmetic work, whereas. I tend to find that, again, talk to young people, that that is where they want to go. 
They don't want to do the routine care stuff. They don't want to be the general dentist. They want to be the cosmetic dentist. And naturally, that is actually, you know, riskier, is it not? What do you reckon? 100%. I think there is a, a lot of people who try and run before they can walk. Mm-hmm. But I think it depends on the person that you are. Like, for myself, I've uh, mentorship's more important for me. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be doing a good job, be paid slightly less for it to begin with, and then know that I'm building up those competencies over time to then be able to charge more because I've got the skill there. Whereas some people, their work will fail because they don't have the skill there. And I feel like you never taught composite bonding at, at uni. Let's put it that way. You never taught that. It's something you've got to get extra skills to do. I mean, people could do it, but people could do it really badly. Mm-hmm. Patients never going to know fully until it fails, really. As long as it looks nice to them, that's that's what bothers them, how you made them feel, etc. That's what it's that's what it's really about for the patient. But clinically, if it's done well, they're not going to know. You as a dentist, or maybe a nurse, will know. And when you fails, the person who deals with that, whether it be yourself again or will it be somebody else, it's going to be the person that they're going to know that you've done a shit job, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, yeah, some, I'm not against people wanting to do cosmetic dentistry. I'm part of the British Cosme of, Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. I'm on the Young uh, Membership Committee. But it's taught to be done ethically mm-hmm. and minimally invasive. And it's and it's taught to be done in the right way and learning the skills in the right way, learning how to do it well. Start with small cases. Don't just jump into these big cases. Mm-hmm. Don't jump into, like, rehab cases, like, uh, straight after FD, et cetera. Yeah. And I feel like that, I think people would want, like, cosmetic dentistry, yes, there's massive, I think, social media influence on that. Like, yeah. a, a lot of there's a, a lot of demand for it. But you're going to have to still have those basic skills there because right now it's composite bonding. What will it be in the future? It'll be more veneers, more porcelain people will be moving. Once this uh, composite bonding starts to fill, it'll be more porcelain work that'll be That's happening. interesting. Do you think you think porcelain's going to become more common? Do you think yeah. porcelain's going to be more attractive to young people? I think people, uh, there's only a certain number of times say. that you'd person will pay to have composite bonding done yeah and that to a good standard as well to make sure it lasts a good couple of years yeah it's not that chipping after six months yeah. um but i feel like it probably is going to be that i think porcelain is going to be further down the line people are going to start needing people are living longer people are going to need something that's going to be more long term mm-hmm. and i feel like porcelain will be but then you know the skill set is going to constantly change that like composite bonding was it, i think five ten years ago you might do a little bit of a, if somebody's got a chip, do a little bit. It wasn't ever like a case of full set of composite veneers. Oh, I know. I'm a dinosaur, yeah. remember? <laughs> now, you see, it's funny to me that yeah. you say that porcelain's going to become a thing. Porcelain, Wasn't, to me, yeah. it's always been a thing. It's the but I think it's minimally invasive yeah. porcelain is what I'm yeah, trying to say. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's more yeah. at no prep veneers, etc. Guys, as you know, I am the lead tutor of the Hedro Academy Vertical Preparation course. Now... We have put together this beautiful vertical preparation kit, which has been beautifully made by former dental supplies. Simon at Former has kindly agreed to give one lucky winner uh, of this podcast a kit completely, completely free of charge, uh, which retails normally at £220 plus VAT. So all you have to do to win one of these fantastic vertical preparation kits is just give us a like, Uh, subscribe to the podcast and share it and leave a comment below and we will pick one lucky winner every podcast and uh, Burkitt will be finding itself uh, in your clinic. Okay, so yeah, great guys. The Horacle Burkitt by Hedro Academy and former dental supplies.
just going back to the litigation risk. Yeah. So, obviously, you know, there's always that. It's drilled into you from year one. You could get sued. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody wants to go and do the high-end treatments but not really going to general practice. And I'll tell you where this is coming from. I yeah. used to own a practice uh, in, you know, obviously this is going out uh, nationwide, worldwide indeed. So not everybody knows where Leeds, West Yorkshire is, right? So we are in West Yorkshire in the UK. Uh, one of the biggest cities in the UK is Leeds. And I used to own a nice NHS practice uh, with good mix of NHS and private just outside Leeds in a town called Clackheaton. And uh, it never used to be uh, a job trying to get an associate. But again, around the 2015, 2016 mark, recruitment was becoming so difficult. Yeah. And the feedback always was, well, you know, I don't want to work in an NHS practice in a market town outside a city. I want to work in the city centre. I want to do Invisalign. I want to do composite bonding. I want to do sexy dentistry, basically. Yeah. So it's kind of just like, you know... I don't know where the older dentists have gone. I think they have either just like decided to not do this anyway. Yeah, bought practices. You know, they are competent to do the high end stuff. Yeah. But, you know, there was no younger guys uh, and girls wanting to come in and fill those roles. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of just like there's just something missing. And I'm trying to just nail down what is going on. and Why? Why is this recruitment crisis occurred and you know why is it that people don't want to work these nhs jobs anymore why is it that everybody wants to do composite bonding and sexy dentistry but the skill set isn't there and the fear of litigation is there but still they want to do the complex stuff what is it what is that instant gratification yeah. comes to mind wow i feel okay. like somebody who's come out fresh they want to earn a lot of money right they want to be in the big cities mm -hmm. make a name for themselves basically yeah have their own brand you see people with their own instagrams oh, this that, and the thing. other uh, a lot yeah. of people do it I know, they I know. Bring their, they, bring, I think, yeah. they bring their own patients in from it. Then you have that, oh, whose patients are they? Is it practice patients? Is it? Yeah. The, you all have that kind of stuff going on with it. But I think instant gratification is definitely a thing. We're in a generation where we want something, we want it now. Ah, okay. And like with, you know, mobiles, we want the latest mobile. We want mm. the latest technology now. Chat GPT does half the stuff for us now. We wanted it. It went crazy on one of the dental forums. Somebody posted about it and, oh yeah, I've downloaded, downloaded. Everybody downloaded it and started using it. So it's just that if something can make your life easier or if you can have something quicker, mm. people are going down that route because they want it. They want the money, this, that, and the other. Mm. And it, I think it's one of those things is like people automatically assume that dentists are rich. Mm -hmm. I won't class myself as rich <laughs> at all, to be fair. But that's because I'm I'm happy to slowly work myself up that, up that ladder mm -hmm. as I build up my skill set. But not everybody thinks like that. And I think that comes from experience of my network and understanding people. Some of I'm quite well networked. So I know you as well. <laughs> I'm quite well networked. So speaking to you know some of some of the bigger names in dentistry in the UK, mm -hmm. they've all done the NHS jobs. They've all done their slog in the NHS, basically. The hard hours. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, they've all done that. Yeah, to be able to build up their competencies. Mm -hmm. But I feel like. People want to pick and choose what they want to do these days yeah. because it's what brings them that gratification. Like doing a composite bonding brings them that gratification, mm -hmm. brings them the money. Why would they spend an hour doing a root canal, an hour and a half doing a root canal yeah. um, where they can make more money from doing four teeth, for example. And there's a fear factor involved in root canal as well, isn't there? Yeah, The dead patient coming in. You know, I worrying about canal. having root canal. <laughs> it's yeah. just my, it's, if I, it's one thing I'm not, I feel like I'm the least confident in is root canal. Right. And I, I have a fear of it. Like the night before I do a root canal, I won't sleep. Okay. It 
that's how that's how fearful I am because I, I feel like I can't see. I've got loops I've got 5.7 mag loops I just feel like it's just one of those things I don't feel confident in mm. and I know I'll have to do more to get confident in it and competent in it as well but it is one of those things is like I could easily be like okay I'm just gonna go have a private job send all mine to an endo specialist you know you I've s- I 100% get that and I've seen that actually I've seen it I've seen and I won't mention any names yeah. but it's just so funny that you mentioned that because i was thinking this exact same thing just this week thinking that this individual is doing very well for themselves yeah but they're referring everything out of their practice yeah and i was just like thinking you know because the mindset for me is always i want to keep as much in-house as i can you know you need to get those monospect people into your because that's what it's going to be like we yeah. i was i this is what something i was told actually hmm. things are going to start going more monospect uh, so basically, people are going to like start not necessarily specialising, but a dentist with special interest in a certain in a certain subject. So, person might do a masters. The enders will stay in house then for that. They don't have to go and do a specialty training, but they do it in house. Mm. It means that somebody in the practice is still doing it. Mm. Doesn't necessarily mean you. It's not on your shoulders, but if somebody enjoys it. Why would you want to do something? Why would you want to do something that you don't enjoy? No, I get that completely, and and uh, I feel like, yeah. and that that's fair enough. It's just a case of there is a, a lot of picking and choosing, as you said, whereas I'm probably from a generation where we did a bit of everything. Yeah. And then, you know, as you develop a competence in one thing, then you kind of pursue that. Yeah. But there's a lot of picking and choosing going very, very early. Yeah. And I think that comes back to the instant gratification that you were yeah. saying. And that's so interesting. Do you think, well, in fact, let me just go back a step. Yeah. Because I wanted to ask you, do you think your undergraduate experience prepared you for independent practice no i think anybody who says that it probably gives you a bare 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 minimum mm-hmm. skills that you need to be able to to go into practice and do a simple composite mm-hmm. simple root canal but it's when things go wrong you don't have that situation really mm-hmm. in in dental school and you don't have enough experience i don't think mm-hmm. to think that i come out of that and i feel like a confident dentist and do you think maybe covid was the reason for that or do you think had covid not been a thing that you would have still had that well lack of preparation for the big bad world would you say so i think for me um it's probably covid wasn't really a, a massive issue because i only missed what last three months mm. whereas people coming out now i think that's gonna be a massive part of theirs mm. as well whereas for me i think like just having not as much exposure into the number of cases that we had etc i just feel like it was never going to be the case that I'd feel confident coming out of that. But I don't know if I'm just one of these people that I always question myself a lot. Mm-hmm. So I might just be one of these people that, oh, I'm really shit at this. I'm really shit at this, really shit at this until I become good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm one of those kind of people, which are not always the best thing because sometimes you can feel really shit after a day of work. It's like, things don't go the way they are, but you are learning from that. But the thing is, the patient, the patient doesn't know that you're still learning from that. They just think you're going to be the same as every other dentist they've seen. Mm-hmm. And that's where that the mismatch between a patient, what they expect and what we can deliver mm-hmm. comes into play. Because a patient... Yeah. Carry on, carry yeah. on, carry on, carry on. A patient who's yeah. like seen a dentist who's done root canal for 30 years hmm. and they've now retired or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I come in and I've done uh, 20 root canals or something I, or something like that. Yeah. I'm not going to have... The, I'm not going to be as quick. I'm probably not... I'm probably going to be more slower than... I'm going to be slower than them. I'm going to be probably a bit more shaky and nervous about it and everything like that. They'd be like, oh yeah, but they did it. They did it in like forty-five minutes. 
Like you're spending an hour and a half. Why is that? This, that, the other. If they had previous experience of a root canal, oh, they didn't put this sheet on my face. Why are you putting the sheet on my face? Some people, I've had patients where they've not had experience of a root canal with a rubber dam on. Mm -hmm. Now I can't obviously mention names and stuff like that, but it should have been the case where they should have had rubber dam placed, gold standard. So I think we're trying to do the best but the patients are always questioning why things are differently to what it has been done previously. That root canal might have been really successful for them without the rubber dam on, mm -hmm. but the gold standard is to have the rubber dam on, but they, they don't know the difference that we do. I'm just going just to tell you something. Yeah. Nobody qualifies, and it doesn't matter which era you've qualified yeah. in being competent, mm. you know? Or competent, no, I shouldn't say competent. Obviously, we're competent. We should be deemed competent. <laughs> but nobody qualifies with that confidence of having 20, 30 years experience. Yeah. And that comes with anything. And I've seen that with young dentists now is that there needs to be, for the individual, for, for yourself, or for your colleagues, that instant, I'm great. You know, that instant, I'm really good at this. But you can't be because you haven't got the hours of the, you know, of the clinical experience behind you. And that's only going to come with time and that's always been there. Yeah. So don't beat yourself up over that. Basically. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, but um, no, it's interesting that you say that. But I feel like yeah. then social media plays a part in that. Well, huge, yeah. Because I feel like certain forums, Yeah. I've seen younger dentists post something. Yeah. And some of the older generation. Yeah. I think we all know some of the common names that come up. But some of them really go in and out. Oh, you, you should know this. You graduated. Why don't you know this? Like, I'm all for getting a second opinion on something. If if it makes my life easier and it makes me feel a bit more confident yeah. and it gives that patient the confidence, why wouldn't I? I'd happily go to my principal and say, can you just double check this for me or can you just look at this x-ray for me? Do you agree with me, X, Y, and Z? The patient's going to have two sets of eyes on what's, what's, what's going on. Hmm. But I feel like some of them like, oh, social media can be good, positive in some expect, uh, aspects, but in other aspects, it can actually be quite a toxic for me, culture, my, and I think yeah. I've seen some of the ones like I've got a group chat with some of my dental friends, mm. and we see things go off, and we just screenshot, and I was like, I feel so sorry for this person. Yeah, and we'll send it to this group like, oh my, like, have you seen what happened? And we're like, oh god, like I would like this is what kind of stuff that scares me to post like a clinical case on my Instagram or anything like that because I'm like, no, somebody's gonna come in hard to me. I don't mind constructive criticism, but some people who say, oh, like actually just hurtful and mean. That would really that would really affect me, and I'd be like, even if I thought I've done a really good job. So, so so so, have you ever posted anything no. on social media? You haven't, okay? Not not of my clinical work. Yeah, and not on uh, the forums because I'm shit scared if I'm honest about yeah. posting because I feel like people will come down with me a ton of bricks. Don't get me wrong, there's some lovely lovely people, and and I read people's comments. Mm -hmm. Like you can have like a hundred comments. A handful of them would be mean, and some of them would be quite insensitive to mm -hmm. you know somebody who's actually had the balls to put it out there and put a case out there or something like that to then just be you know thrown to the sharks basically. Mm -hmm. Whereas people give really good advice, and I'm like, I've actually learned something from that. But I just think personally for me, I'll just sit back and be an observer because I think I'm just too scared to. Um, I'm more sensitive than people think. So. <laughs> No, and I feel like that's what I think that was uh, not my confidence because I know that I'm critical of myself and I know I'm critical of myself. So then why do I need people that don't, don't know me on a personal level to criticize me hor in a horrible way? Give me constructive criticism. Yeah. By all means, I'm I'm happy to take that on board and I, I want to learn. But don't do it. Don't belittle me and do it. What's the age group of the critics? I don't know what the ages are, but they're... Um, 
I think they're the older, gen older than you. Older than me. <laughs> older than you. I think certain people, there's certain names that come to mind. Um, and I think like people, most people can name a few of them, but um, I'm not going to mention names. No, no, we're, just, we're, yeah. we're not going to mention names, definitely. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting that you say that because uh, I was on a podcast uh, last year, I think, or the year before, uh, Michael Tang's podcast. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one of the chair two waiting. And we had a very, very brief chat about social media. And I don't post a lot on social media because I have been on the receiving end of a lot of criticism. You know, a lot of the stuff which I post is quite, you know, as you know, yeah. BOPT, you yeah. know, we, we did the whole thing at the BACD in yeah. the conference last year. And it's still quite niche in the UK, whereas if you go to, you know, Southern Europe, you know, it's quite widely practiced and nobody yeah. practices it. And, uh, you know, when I first started posting stuff around the 2016 mark, I think I remember. Do you remember? <laughs> Did I you see I it? Did you read I the comments? It, I think I read the, the oh, comments. Mate, honestly, I, I so so for a period of time I stopped posting because I just thought I don't need this, and and you know I was talking to Michael uh, uh, about this and yeah, there's a generation they started off on Facebook who are older than me who are super critical and it's almost like when you post something on Facebook it's not enough for to be you know enough to have a before and after shot yeah. you need to explain everything it needs to be like a full protocol post yeah. and if you haven't explained and justified yourself and they're yeah. all over it yeah and then there's the obviously the other side of it where it's just before and afters and Instagram is much more of a happy community where yeah. a community where everybody just claps the post and says, wonderful, bro, amazing, amazing, yeah. amazing. But it can be, you know, especially the Facebook side of things, very, very toxic, very 100%. intimidating, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. So you haven't been subject to that. But, okay, can I just ask you a question? How do you feel when one of your younger colleagues or somebody around your age group posts something fantastic? I feel really happy for him because I feel yeah. like I generally because my cohort and somebody who I know and I've still well connected to I know they've got a similar I think similar values comes into it mm -hmm. and a lot of my friends have the similar values that I do mm -hmm. and for me I know that they've done like they've done an amazing job because they've done x y and z courses they've, they've they've expanded their knowledge they've they've done everything they possibly can to do the best for that patient because i know what kind of dentist they are mm. just from seeing them on courses being friends with them discussing cases on on whatsapp and stuff like that little things like that that i know that those people are doing the best for the patient and i know how stressful it can be like some private patients you want to write letters and stuff like that and it can be stressful and like send each other snaps that like we're sat here till 11 o'clock doing these letters for these patients like trying to be as detailed as possible without mm. overwhelming the patient at the same time because of that fear of litigation again mm. so i know that i feel happy if i mean people who i don't know in, around my generation who are posting stuff and it looks good i'll i like it i'm not one of those people that won't be opposed to it but if there's something that i'm a bit like mm, i would have done it slightly differently i won't i won't post i won't say that to them you won't comment because i yeah yeah what about though does i mean i'm just gonna throw it out yeah. there do you ever feel any pressure in terms of, wow, look at what they're doing. Why are they doing so great? Does it, is there ever any sort of anxiety that comes around that? I feel like there is, there is always, oh, look how look how good their work is. I think there's anybody, any any dentist, I don't think that matters about which age you're at. Like, oh, look, their case is amazing. Like, oh, I can't do anything like that. But you probably can. You just And you're just probably lacking that confidence to post something that you've done. But mm -hmm. also... Behind that one post that they've done, you've not seen the hundred failures that's happened before that. Exactly. Yeah. And for me, that that's I've that stuck with me as like how many cases has it taken them to get to get a good case like that. 
that always sticks with me. I'm like, well done that you've got to that stage with that patient. Mm. But I'd expect the return, if I was to ever post anything, I'd expect, not out of just like, oh, yeah, I liked your post, you like my post, but I'd expect if they wanted to tell me some constructive criticism, please just message me privately. I'd rather do it rather than doing it in a public in a public forum where everybody else can see it. Because sometimes you can see some some comments and it's just like, it's not mm. necessarily. But other times it's quite informative when there's an actual discussion and it doesn't feel like you're belittling the person, etc. And then you actually learn something from both why the person did it and the person asking. Like, mm -hmm. it's like there's one recently that my friend sent a screenshot of in, in a group chat mm -hmm. uh, and she was like, what do you think of this? So I went onto the forum, read through the comments between a certain couple of people. And I was like, I understand both sides. Like I understand why he's, what he's done, what he's done. And I understand why the people are asking him that question. But if it's worked in his hands and he's done it a couple of times and he's got results to prove that it's lasted, got longevity behind it. Like that, I, I don't see anything wrong with that discussion being there, but it wasn't that like they were belittling him. Mm -hmm. So I think that was quite nice in some respect where other people can proper go in and you. Yeah. And that creates a, a fear yeah. to post. But then there are some people, and I'm, I say some people, there's most, I wouldn't even say most because you can't put a number on it, but there's a load of young dentists who, as you said earlier, create their own brand, do some composite bonding, stick it up there. And, you know, you know, it's just that, 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 that to my generation is, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, I do it as well. I f but I personally felt, well, I need to keep up with the kids, you know? Yeah. Keep up with what's going on. So, so, so no, it's interesting to, to, to hear that you, you feel happy for them, there's, but there's no kind of pressure or anxiety around having to do it yourself, no? I think there is always a little bit, I think there was at some point when everybody started, when, every, when I first started like mm. using, because I'm not, a, I was a massive social, I didn't have Facebook, Instagram or anything like that. Okay. Facebook I made once I joined uni, so I didn't have it before that. Mm -hmm. Instagram I made, I think, second to last year of uni, so it was quite late on. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, and I don't have TikTok, surprisingly. I don't have TikTok. And, um, yeah, so Instagram's my main form of, but I think that I've used it more to network than anything else. Mm -hmm. So my, like, people see me going on courses or doing X, Y, and Z. Post this up, don't worry. I'll go on my Instagram. Um, Thank you. But, yeah, um, and that's where I made my network from, so... I think it depends on where, what your Instagram is. Because some people use it for other dentists to show them out their work. Other ones is to, for a patient base, to get patients in basically and show that these are the cases I'm doing. If you want to book in with me, this is the X, Y, and Z. So there's two different types of Instagram page you can have when it comes to dentists. Um, and for me, I'm not at the stage where I feel confident enough to, I've done enough cases to be like, oh yeah, these are my cases, post them, et cetera. Because I feel like I still can, I feel like I'm always going to be this constantly do better. There's going to be a point where I probably will post something. Mm. Um, and it will just be a case of I'll expect you to like it. I mean, is that right? I will like it. <laughs> I will 100% like it. And I'll put, put a positive comment, constructive yeah, comment on there for you. Absolutely, I will. What's that margin? <laughs> Listen, you know me. Well, you don't actually know me clinically. You know, as I said earlier, you know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not uber critical about things. Uh, and I think there's a lot of stuff where you can just let a lot of things go and make your life easy. Mm. Um, going back to what I was just saying about undergrad then. So yeah. like that didn't prepare you. Yeah. Do you feel that your foundation training year was really then, you know, something that you relied on? Was it really that, you know, did, did that help you? Was it, was it, was that more, well, I'll tell you where this is coming from. When I was, uh, what we called VT at the time. Yeah. 
VT was more a case of we'd be expected to see maybe what, 15 patients a day. Okay. Uh, and it was more a case of it was definitely still a training environment, but it was a case of we'd knock on our trainer's door if we had to. Yeah. We shouldn't really confess this, but the tutorial was more a case of let's go out and get some lunch and we'll have a chat over lunch, you know? It was nice. Yeah. Now I know that it's a very, very structured learning environment. It's almost like a continuation of dental school being a dental practice. Am I right in saying that? I think it depends which practice you're in. Okay. I think that makes a massive difference. Right. Um, just speaking to the people that I know, mm. some people are very, very structured. Yeah. And, you know, by the book, needs to be a tutorial, needs to be an hour. Yeah. Other places, is has to do two tutorials in one lunchtime, get it over and done with. Right. 30 minutes, two tutorials, get it over and done with, tick two boxes. Um, or go through a case, and that's classed as, you know, a tutorial. tutorial, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it depends very much on your trainer, mm -hmm. the practice that you're in, um, and where they are in that training. If they're coming up to, you know, they're a new trainer, they're probably yeah. born by the book. If somebody who's coming out of it would probably be uh, more lenient in what yeah. in what they do with you, basically. Very much so. Like, I... I didn't just knock on my trainer's door. I knocked on it. We had an open uh, door policy at the practice I was working in, so I'd knock on anybody's door and just ask them if my if my trainer wasn't there. Yeah. Um, and I was quite happy to do that. I'm I'm not ashamed to ask for help. Mm -hmm. I'd rather ask for help than fuck up. Mm -hmm. That's that's basically what I think to myself. If I can ask for help and it it makes a difference in what I'm thinking I'm going to do to this patient, why wouldn't I get that help? No, absolutely, and that's what it's there for. Yeah. But do you feel that? Do you feel it prepared me? Absolutely not. Oh, <laughs> if I'm foundation training? No. Really? I think a massive, 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 massive difference was that we all our study days were virtual. Right. So we never had the hands-on in clinical skills labs because mm -hmm. of COVID. So we never had the hands-on experience. Like you wanted to do a, a, a root canal study day, you'll be a webinar for four hours online. Yeah. You don't concentrate after about 30 minutes. No, absolutely. You Online, oh, yeah. You might fall asleep. Oh. Nobody's going to know. Yeah. All of our study days, I think bar two, were on, online. And that was because it was coming to the end of those mm. two years. that We started to see face-to-face. -face. So I think with the, that aspect of extra learning stuff, patient, yeah, obviously patient-wise, mm. you'd see people more seeing more patients. That's just part of any FD, VT. Mm. And so... For me, yeah, the study day has made a massive, like, I it was just bad. Because you'd have, sometimes you'd have a full study day, yeah. six hours of learning about, I don't know, oral medicine or something like that. It's not the most interesting, like, it's not the most, I wouldn't say it's interesting, but I mean, like, it's it's quite a dry subject for some people. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a dry subject for some people. So just try and concentrate for that for, like, do three hours in the morning, then mm. go for an hour break and then come back for another three hours of it. Mm. It was just shit. Now, is that just because it was COVID or is it, is it, does it continue to be remote learning? Um, I'm not 100% sure, sure. I think there's more face-to-face -face now than there okay. was previously. But certain things, yeah, you can do. But like, how can you teach endo remote, on virtual? How can you, you teach composite bonding or like, you know, composite? And what about the actual clinical aspect of it? We able to, you know, did that, did, surely, because like from, from what I gather that you're not getting a lot of undergrad experience, first of yeah. all, in the dental school. So surely then, you know, do you feel that... Because I'll, t I'll tell you where this is coming yeah. from. I was a, a, tra a trainer, yeah, yeah. as you know. Uh, 
because I know you wanted to join my practice, but then I stopped being a trainer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just uh, just before yeah, I was going to yeah, come, yeah. you were like, nope, I'm not having you. That's yeah, what it was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, you made me quit <laughs> foundation training. No, not really. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, just I noticed again, and this isn't a criticism of any of my FDs, because I loved yeah. all my FDs. We all got on like a house Apart on fire. Apart from the seven you mentioned, that, no, I'm joking. Absolutely. Yeah, the other seven. No, I was, I was, I was over a decade, I did foundation training. And had lots of great people come come in and out of my practice, but it did go from being more of a listen, knock on my door if you need me, yeah. to really getting down and doing things for the first time. So yeah. I'm presuming, you know, that's what it is like yeah. now, as as you know, a standard. Really, yeah. it is a continuation of a training environment in practice, yeah. isn't it? It is. Do you feel? I, it is for definitely. You, yeah. I learned. I learned a lot clinically yeah. by seeing patients yeah. and seeing like some of my failures. Like if something came back like three six months later, yeah. Like what what did what went wrong? What did I fuck up on basically? And you didn't post that on Instagram. No, no. I post any okay. of it on Instagram. Not even yeah, my yeah. good work on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just scared that you were gonna troll me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, <laughs> but but yeah, I was saying is it one hundred percent clinically you learn a lot. But I think there was an aspect. Uh, of some of the FDs being taken advantage of in some in certain circumstances, mm-hmm. I think that some practices, um, from what I'm aware of, um, because because of COVID, and FDs UDAs were counting towards the practice contract, the F, uh, the trainers UDA totals. So in some aspect, we were treated like an associate. Ten minute checkups. Some of us were having fifteen minute checkups. Some of us were having compared to forty minutes. Like I see now some FDs getting like an hour still for a checkup and they're near three quarters of the way through there. For the training, I was like, oh, you're going to be in for a shock when you, yeah. <laughs> when you hit well, associate. That's, that's not a good thing. Yeah, it's not it? a good thing. Yeah. But the other side of things, neither is giving a 10 minute checkup to an FD. No. Because I feel like the last thing I want to do is cut corners mm. because you just get into bad habits and they're going to stick with you and that's where you're going to slip up on. If you're going to be a good dentist... You've got to do things well, and you've got to have the time to do them well. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't pick and choose between that. And I feel like you kind of get sometimes that you were that you treated a bit like an associate. It kind of gave you that knowledge of what associateship might be like, mm-hmm. but it also meant that you were in a bit of a treadmill just to get just to get the numbers, basically. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. Do you not think that's necessarily good practice for what's going to come only a few months after? I mean. Yes and no. I think no because I don't think 10 minutes checkups are... Even if you've seen the patient for 30 years, mm-hmm. I still don't think 10 minutes is enough for a checkup. How are you supposed to have a communic- How are you supposed to have that communication with a patient? Talk to them, build that rapport with somebody, uh, do a clinical examination, do your notes, all that, and then maybe x-rays as well if they need them. All that in 10 minutes. Yeah. No, I'm not I a agree. machine. No, I agree. And that's the reason why I kind of left NHS dentistry as well. And I do have longer for my private patients, private checkups. You can do all the things that you said. Yeah. So kind of then, I suppose that leads me on to the next thing. What kind of a job are you, well, you, you've, you've only just finished your foundation training. So what kind of a job are you doing? What kind of a job is a young dentist like you looking for once they finish their foundation training? So for, I think it depends. I think some people are happy. Mm. We're taking on an NHS job and... Are they? Some people are I they? know. I don't know. I'm, I'm throwing yeah. it out there because, as I said, for me personally, recruitment became so difficult, which is why I ended up selling it is very much an associate. It's very much an associate's world right now. Right. There's more associate. There's more associates who can pick and choose what practice they want to go into now. Mm-hmm. 
and practices are just like begging people to join basically yeah and are we talking about NHS practices yeah yeah exactly and yeah. I think some people are happy we're taking on a 7,000 UDA contract still I know really? a few I know a few okay so I, I don't know if it's just that's just a few people that I know. Hmm. I know somebody. I know a few people who have taken on quite large UDAs, and something that my TPD told me was never take on more than a thousand UDAs per day that you work. So that's something that stuck stuck. Five thousand. No, a thousand. So, yeah, so if you did so, five so if you're days, doing like a five day week, yeah. basically you should never yeah. do more than five thousand UDAs. Yeah, to be like to do work safely, basically, right. and to work well. The other thing was said to me was never work more than four clinical days. And I do, I only do four clinical days mm -hmm. because I need that one day of admin. Right. And I need my weekends for my family. Right. That's that's really important to me. Uh -huh. uh, I lost my father a year and a half ago. So it made me realize that the perspective and everything like that put, really put things into perspective for me about what really matters. Working six days a week. Mm. I still make money. If you work well and you work effectively, you can make as much money doing four days as you can do in five days. Mm hmm. And it's what kind of work you're doing, really. But I think some, I think this is where it comes into it. People see, people want to move towards more private because not just because of the money. I think a lot of people think that young dentists want to do that because of the money. I think it's more the pressure. The okay. pressure of NHS dentistry mm -hmm. is ridiculous. When I when I'm working private mm -hmm. on my private days or my private patients, yeah. I'm so much more chilled. Mm. I've got the time. I can speak to the patient. Yeah. You know what? Private dentistry is a lot about the communication that you have with the patient rather than my clinical ability won't change from an NHS patient to a private patient. How yeah. long I will, Yeah. It, that depends on obviously how long I've got will depend on the outcome of what I do. But I think it's just that a lot of it's communication. A patient just wants to sit, you know, have a five minute chat rather than get in the chair, let me do your treatment, get out kind mm -hmm. of thing. So for me, I think there's a lot of the stress that comes with it. Dentistry is stressful as it is. But I feel like the added pressures of targets, UDA targets, clawback, this, that, and the other, people don't want to have that kind of thing. They want to do the best for their patients mm -hmm. and they want to do it well. So why would I go for a job that I'm going to have to cut corners from, spend less time on, my work's going to fail, the patient's going to go back, they're going to be pissed off. Mm -hmm. Am I likely to be sued? Why would I, Why would somebody want to do that? Yeah. That's not what, attractive, yeah, is it? It's not attractive at all. Yeah. Anybody who says NHS dentistry is attractive at the moment, Come and speak to me. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's um, it's it's just really interesting listening to this because it's kind of like my generation. We were expected to just go and get on with it and just do it, and then like you know, private dentistry wasn't a huge thing twenty years ago. It was there, of course, it was there, but it was wasn't. It, were you fee per item back in the day? I was fee per item only for a year. Okay, and then uh, the then, banding. Then the the UDA system came in two thousand and six. So um, yeah, most of my well, I, I, I quit NHS dentistry as it happens for all the reasons that you've just said Yeah. around 2013, 2014. So you I did went, it for a good slog? Oh, I was, did it for a good number of years. Did, did you enjoy going to work? Yeah, I did. Did you find it stressful? Yeah, it's always stressful. But the funny thing is, is that even private dentistry is stressful. I think but it in is. But in different ways. In different ways, yeah. There's more expectation, more, you know. I've just found that. It's high risk. It is. Yeah. But that's more on your shoulders, isn't it? Rather than just, you know, as in like it's patient selection, choice of patient. Yeah. If you don't want to see somebody, 
Which kind of, I mean, I suppose if we just like talk about an, a, a flip end of, you know, you're you're a dentist, you you want to do the best for your patients, you want to do the dentistry that you have been trained to do. Yeah. But then there's a whole population of patients. I'm getting really social and political here. There's yeah. a whole population of patients who can't afford private dentistry. And they need those NHS services. Who's going to work those services? I do dented. Have you heard of a dented? I have, yeah. Yeah, so I do that. Yeah. I feel like I still, even though I work NHS job, I still do that because I feel like people do need it. Yeah. NHS dentistry as it is, is not fit for purpose. Yeah. If NHS dentistry changes, say if it goes back to fee per item or it goes to a system where you're able to do treatment and you're able to take as long and there's not these horrible targets and clawback, mm. people would stay in the NHS. I feel like that, that wouldn't be an issue. And I feel like a good thing that people, people say is that, oh, stay in the NHS until you have your kids. Maternity. Pair for you for the amount of UDAs you do. Mm. Uh, it's like don't come out of NHS dentistry until you've had your kids, etc. So I think there's there is some benefits to you know NHS dentistry. Massive benefits. Yeah. yeah. Um, pension, for example, as well. Ooh, that's a that's uh, anyway that's yeah. that's topic for a different day. <laughs> oh, I'll just quickly throw it out there. If I cannot start taking my pension, obviously you can buy back your years, but if I can't start taking my pension until I'm almost dead, it's not for me. I, can't, there, I, I, I I'm almost there. I'm almost dead. I'm that much of a dinosaur to to, to you, huh? <laughs> so no, that's why I I went for a private pension quite early on because then I've got more flexibility with that. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, there are other benefits to it, definitely. But no, it's just it's just interesting yeah. to hear that. Hi guys, are you thinking about getting into dental implantology? Well, if you didn't know, I'm one of the founding members of Unique Implant Training. Unique Implant Training is now in its fifth year. And we are now fully EDUQUAL accredited to diploma level, which is an 18-month diploma, the only 18-month implant diploma currently in the UK. So if you want to begin your implant journey, please don't hesitate to give us a call. Find us at www.uniqueimplanttraining.co.uk. We look forward to seeing you soon. So you do stuff with Dentaid, huh? Yeah. So what do you do with Dentaid? So Dentaid, we see yeah. patients basically come in, we'll see patients that um, don't have lentis, basically. Mm -hmm. Children, adults, anybody, normally for emergency appointments, stuff like that. So people who come in. Mm -hmm. I'm all for, you know, people do need, but I think the education is lacking as well. Are they, can I just very quick just yeah. ask, are they like, of, forgive me, are they are they like people who are really hard up? Or are we just talking about average working families who come in for these emergency appointments? I think it's becoming more and more average working families right. as well now. Yeah. Because there's a struggle because, you know, recession. Yeah. There's energy crisis, this, that, and the other. There's all, there's all these expenses. Yeah. Dentistry is not going to be the forefront of somebody's... People, I think, seeing it more of a luxury mm. rather than a necessity to see the dentist. And I think that's where the, the mismatch is between patients and, and I know, actual general oral health looking after it. Mm. There's massive things people don't understand, like the connection between like diabetes and perio, etc. People don't understand that you know if the diabetes is not well controlled, they can get perio, etc. Patients don't understand that unless until they've had that conversation with you. I was like, oh, this no, of the course other. they wouldn't. But I'm just thinking that you know you just mentioned Dentaid. We talked about people don't want to work NHS jobs. Mm. Then I work for Dentaid, and that's lovely. But isn't Dentaid? There immediately what sprung to my mind is just like you know, forgive me again people who are maybe homeless and they literally have nowhere yeah, to so go. We have, van, we have the mobile van as well. But the yeah. average Joe, the average, you know, person who maybe, you know, they work in a supermarket and they're just doing, you know, jobs on uh, in, in, on on that level of income, 
you know, surely they need NHS dentists not going to a charity like Dentate, right? Yeah, I think yeah. I think there is some private practices who mm. do quite fair. I know some practices who charge quite cheaply for a new patient exam. It's a couple of pounds more than NHS. Mm. So it's not the case of you have to be really expensive to be private, mm. but the NHS system and the banding system, especially with COVID hitting, yeah. patients are coming in with a lot more problems. Mm. Until November when the you know, you've got the five UDAs, seven UDAs came in. Before that you could have been doing ten fillings on a patient. Ah, it's a mess, isn't it? And be paid for the same as doing one. Yeah, it's an absolute mess. And this is what I was trying to explain yeah. to explain to my mum. Mm. She was like, Do you not get paid? And I was like, No, I could spend like five hours with a patient and be paid the same as seeing them for Half an hour. Yeah. It's it's crazy. It is crazy. And it's always been pretty crazy since 2006. At I least under has, the I old COVID, system. COVID, yeah. COVID, yeah. people have not obviously not seen the dentist. Yeah. They've a lot more problems, a lot more disease. Yeah. So that they've, they need a lot more treatment. So mm-hmm. it's even, even more so the case that, you know, you see more people for extractions, root canals, etc., than you would have done if they were, you know, re- we were regular through COVID. Obviously, we couldn't be. But, I mean, if we were, we were regularly seen, we'd catch things earlier. You go two, three years without seeing a dentist, you could literally fuck up the whole tooth. Like you could literally yeah, do extractions. Yeah, I saw, I saw a lot of that. You know. Yeah. Uh, when we first came back after, after the pandemic, a lot of stuff to clean up. But obviously, I look after a much smaller population. We've been a private practice, and we cleaned that up pretty quickly. But it took a long time for the big Nash practices to do, didn't it? Still is. Yeah. Still, is. still, <laughs> still going on. Some is patients. It? Some patients. Yeah. I have not been like some of the patients that I've seen have not been seen since twenty twenty. Wow. Yeah. Early 2020. Mm. So, yeah, it's oh crazy. Okay. Or if there's not 2019, some of them have, and like, it's the thing is, like, everybody's looking for an NHS place. Yeah. There's literally nobody. There's nobody's taking it on, and why would they? Yeah. You know? you know, it's just such a rubbish system. People are looking to give back their NHS contracts. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just ask you? So, yeah. just going, I know I keep going back. Yeah, no, I keep fine. going off on tangents, so that's great. Um, So, can I just ask? Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about your undergrad. Then yeah. we talked about, uh, you know, the VT experience. Yeah. Did it prepare you? Did it not? Yeah. And one thing which I noticed, and that's another reason why I reached out to you, because you are involved with the BACD. Yeah. And you've been involved with the BACD since this undergrad, right? Yeah. Since yeah. your student rep. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that was correct. Yeah. Now, I'll be honest with you. I would look at that maybe a few years ago and just be like, you know, you're a student. Why are you getting involved? You're snobby with- bitch. <laughs> Exactly, I'm a snobby bitch. I'd be thinking, you know, isn't the BACD, you know, it's a, it's an elite organization. I'm involved with it as well, you know, not as heavily as you, but don't get me don't get me wrong, you know, I I, it's, I love the BACD, but I always traditionally thought in my head I'm on the fringes of it by the way. Yeah. Um so in the sense I'm not involved at board level like you are. Yeah. Um so I'm just a member. Uh so it's a case of, to me, traditionally, organize, organizations like the BACD, the FGDP, you know, but all these things, they're kind of like, to me, were kind of like elitist organizations yeah. for experienced clinicians, yeah. right? It's not that at all. I mean, I spent a lot of time uh, with, with you guys at yeah. the conference this year and what a lovely, warm bunch of people, you know, the BACD are. And it's lovely. I was the warmest. You were the warmest, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you for your hospitality. So... I you know, you set up, don't forget that. Absolutely, you know, you should, I, I did a full hands-on session and Iman helped me set up and she was so kind. I did basically all of it. She did everything, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, um, to get involved at such an early stage, yeah. where you haven't even graduated yet, I would have looked at that a few years ago and thought, well, what's in it for you kind of thing? And it's just like, what, what, what kind of dentist is this breeding? However, 
I now see that it is actually probably one of the most important things that you can do. 100%. Given that you have a lack of clinical experience, you know, from an undergraduate level, then there's foundation training and you may or may not get on with your foundation training practice. It may or may not be a good experience. Then you're thrown out into the big bad world, yeah. right? And then you've got all the pressures as a dentist of your age and your era that you've got all your friends on social media posting all these lovely composite bonding yeah. pictures, befores and afters, and you haven't had the guts yet to post your own before <laughs> and after, but one day you will. So something like the BACD, being involved with an organization like that is just so important, isn't it? 100%. Yeah. So for myself, yeah. I... I don't know what people call a keen bean, a nerd, a geek, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like for me is... There was a couple of things that I started off with just, you know, doing a couple of extracurricular things in probably yeah. second year was uh -huh. the first time I did something... I actually went to London for the first time by myself and it was like a bit of a, you know, like, oh my God, I'm going by myself. We're going to a conference. Yeah. Uh, it was called the Make a Dentist Conference. Yeah. And I did that. And the amount of students and the amount of people that were so welcoming. It is, you know, it's quite a ballsy thing to do as a student. Um, But it just made me realise that, do you know what? People are really accepting of students coming to things. Why did you do it? Just out of interest. What, what, um, what prompted you to go? There was a lot of speakers on there that I'd like heard of and people had spoken about and different specialties, this and the other. And I was like, it actually sounds really interesting. Mm. Um, let me let me go. And I actually became ambassador for them for a, for a while as well. But for me, I think the main point for me was um, getting involved was around the time that my, uh, my dad felt ill. Mm. Um, I lost a lot of friends during that time um, because people couldn't understand that my social life wasn't priority anymore. My family was... and. Uh, for me, it was an escapism to get away from all the difficulties I was having because my, my dad was quite unwell for three years, okay. bedbound for three years. Um, and that um, was a bit of an escapism for me to try and go to these events because I feel like I lost my friends in uni, if I'm honest, through that time because they just didn't understand the same concept. It was quite a sheepish culture there was. Mm. Um, so I started doing these extracurricular things and I found that the people were so receptive and so welcoming to see a student want to come to events. And do you know what the thing is? It massively expanded my network and it made literally like, oh, the students come to like two of our events. Like, let's give her a course for free. Let's do this. So I was doing a course as a student that people were paying like a couple of hundred quid for or a thousand quid for for free. And I was getting the same experience as them. So I was picking up these early skills things doing things differently that I could then implement even on patients that I was seeing in in the dental hospital. Obviously it was a bit more of a touchy subject with some some clinical tutors but like, oh no, you do it X, Y, and Z way. But I was mm. like, the evidence is now there to suggest we could do it A B C way kind of thing. And it made such a difference. And BSED was one of them. Dentinal tubules was another. Okay, yeah. Um just a couple of local dentists as well who helped um uh, get me on some of their courses and stuff like that as well. Uh, BDA was another as well because I was I'm general tech for West Yorkshire for them as well. Um, so the, a lot of different things. So I was ma able to network massively, and it's quite funny because it's a bit of a like a a full circle. So I was a student 2019. I was a student and I was involved in BDA. Uh, yeah. Two members uh, of Dentinal Tubules. Oh well, they're part of Dentinal Tubules, but they came to speak for uh, the BDA. So Kevin Rose and Simon Thackeray came to speak, and I was a student at that time. And I actually went to another Dentinal Tubules event 
yesterday right. in the evening and Kevin spotted me because this is the third time I've seen you and I've seen you go from being that student sat on the floor because we knew you were a student because you were sat on the floor. Sat on the floor. Um, I think there was not enough seating so I chose to sit on the floor to give... Was it a full house or did they just put the students on the floor? No, anyway? it was uh, it was full house. Right, so. okay. And like, it was just seeing, it was like, I've just seen how much, like how much you've become involved, this and the other, how much difference it's made, like how much of a keen dentist you are. Like there's a certain cohort of people who want to continue to learn. Mm. Um, that, for example, BSCD, so I was a student rep, so literally massive part of... Uh, even before I was a student rep, I was already going to some of the events, this, that, the other, because it really made me connect with some of the people and like this kind of dentistry I want to do. I don't want to start quitting corners, this, that, and the other. And it was and it was so nice to see so many like-minded people mm-hmm. as myself. And it was like, made me realize that, you know, when you leave university, you were going to be friends with a, uh, a handful of people. And when I did actually eventually lose my dad, a lot of the people who were my strongest support were actually elder dentists and people in elder people in the dental community not necessarily just dentists mm. uh, who really looked out for me and really supported me through that time and it just made me show if I didn't do what I needed to do back then I I wouldn't have that support now and I, for example if I'm stuck on something clinically or non-clinically something dental related I've got somebody I can turn to I can pick up the phone and call like last year I was having a, a conversation with Chris McConnell, a past B- BACD president, because I was upset about something. And he literally gave me the truth of to pick up the phone and be able to speak to him. Mm. He sat in Cornwall, I'm sat up here in, in Huddersfield, um, and have this conversation with him. And he'd be frank with me, and this is X, Y, and Z, and Y, this, that, and the other. Another person, Shaz Memon, Digimax, he was a really uh, big support for me as well throughout that, throughout that time as well. Even now, like, we have, I, you know, I have a lot of laughing jokes with a lot of people and stuff like that. But I know the people that I can turn to if I'm if I'm struggling with something, or if, or they'll point me to somebody who they they can. Like another thing I had uh, about an uh, associate job, I was speaking to Andy Acton, who's uh, from Frank Taylor and Associates, and he really like he's not a dentist, but he really went out of his way to help me. Yeah, uh, he rang me on a weekend and we had a conversation, and by the Tuesday I was all sorted out with the the issue or the the problem that I had. So. I would have never known these people if I'd never joined the BACD, dentinal tubules, et cetera. I would have never come across people who are in the dental community but not necessarily dentists. Mm-hmm. And I can just literally pick up the phone and ring them. Whereas some of my counterparts, they'd have to like pay for some of the stuff that I get for free or just like yeah. the advice that I get for free. If I've got a clinical case, I can literally just send a picture across to somebody on WhatsApp and I'll get an answer within like within the day. Mm-hmm. Like it's not something I have to, like you know, you, you can pay for mentorship and I don't, See why you should, why that's a negative thing either. Some people, you know, take taking the time out of the day, but if you've got a support network and you've got a mentorship there from people who are willing to give it free because they see that you've got the passion there, they yeah. will offer you that free advice. They'll offer you a certain way to do certain things or a pathway that'll help you to get to where you want to be. And I think that's that's made my life so much more easier in respect of anything I do, like courses wise, clinically wise. Just even just build, building my confidence, I know that I've got somebody on the other end of the phone. If I ever get stuck, if I ever fuck up, yeah, I've got somebody there to help me. Basically, yeah. The other thing is, and I think another thing that's people are like, oh, you go to these events as a student. Why are you doing that? Other students are like, there was a picture. I remember, there was a picture of me, Monique Vasan, Simon Shard, and Tom Crawford Clark. I think it was, and we were stood, and it was at the BSCD. After the gala dinner, and somebody was like, "Oh, do you only go to these events so you can take pictures with?" Yeah. 
you know, insta-famous dentists, et cetera, and stuff like that. And I was like, I know there's people on a personal level, I can have a conversation with them. Like, yeah. I, I've met them so many times now that I can have a conversation with them. It doesn't feel like I'm speaking to somebody who I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, so for me, it's like people can say what they want, but if it's helping me, I don't give a fuck what other people think. Fair so, enough. Fair <laughs> enough. In the nicest possible way. Yeah, 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 no, and it's obviously helped you. And so yeah. it's very important. And, and it's important for, you know, because again, there's been over the last short of 10 years, an explosion of private courses, yeah. you know, uh, multiple diplomas, postgraduate certificates. These have just exploded, you know, over the last 10 years. And there's a need for it, isn't there? Yeah, Because 100%. just, you know, if you're not getting that experience at undergrad level, then yeah. you need that, you know, that support after you, you, you graduate, really. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's a, it's a great institute, is the BACD, and uh, lovely people. Yeah. And uh, it's very nice that you're part of that. So can I just ask, just to finish, really, yeah. you've you've come out of dental school. Yeah. You've done your foundation training. You're involved with the BACD. You've got loads and loads of private courses under your belt. Yeah. What's next for you then? So what what does what does uh, somebody in your age category look to achieve? What 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 is the pathway? Are you going to go into? I mean, I know this is different for everyone. We can't yeah. speak for a whole generation. Yeah. But you know, what's 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 somebody your age what do they normally look to do and then what are you personally going to do what are you going to look to do i think there's a lot of different pathways mm. some people continue on with dct right and then go into specialty training i know a couple of people who are doing that yeah uh another thing is um people just solely going into private practice or trying to get in private practice mm. uh, one of my friends is now completely private practice uh she's After how many years so she graduated the same year as me mm. and she's moved to this is another thing. She's part of the BSA with me. Yeah. Um, she's slowly moved her, both of her jobs. She's moved to London now. Right. Uh, well, she's transitioning to move to London for all her, both her jobs now in London. Yeah. Um, and that's purely through being through involved with the BSED. Right. Um, she's been offered those job opportunities. Cool. Um, so. Sorry so to be, go for the tangent, but does she feel confident to be able to tackle that? I feel like because she's got the mentorship there. Then yes. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. And I feel like there's always going to be a part of you like, oh, shit, am I good enough? There's yeah. always going to be days where we feel like we're a shit dentist. Mm-hmm. We all three of us, one of my group chats, all three of us, we had a shit week at the same time. Yeah. I was complaining about something and then one of them broke a, a fractured a file in the tooth. The other one, a patient was complaining or something like that. We all had something shit going on in the same week. And we literally said to each other, like, thank God for this group. Like, we'd be lost with each other. Sorry, I mean, again, I know I'm going off on a tangent, yeah. but then again, just going back to this whole social media thing, yeah. nobody talks about this on social media, yeah. right? So, surely, I mean, the thing is, you've got your head screwed on, so you know that this goes just on, about. right? Just about. <laughs> surely, there must be a load of dentists out there, young dentists, yeah. who social media is all they've ever known. You know, it's part, mm. they've grown up with it. And, you know, there's that whole, let me just post my perfect dental life on Instagram. Yeah. And then something bad happens. You've got your WhatsApp group yeah. of three friends. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody who's kind of by themselves must think, why the why the fuck does this keep happening to me? Am I mm. a shit dentist? You know? Yeah. Do you ever hear these stories? I think less so. I think people are very... don't like to discuss their failures. Yeah. And I feel like it has to be a very safe space for somebody to discuss their failures because there's very little people out there who would support you through your failure. Yeah. I think more people would like to see you fall than actually see you rise. Um, yeah. Just in general, really, I think... There's less cheerleaders out there, and there's more people who probably want to bring you down. Yeah. Um. And for me, um, having a safe space, and that I know that groups a safe space 
You could talk about anything. If you saw through that, you'd yeah. see I mean, Not even all dentistry-related stuff, but there's some funny stuff out there as well. You, you know what? You're, you're, you're a happy person. You're sat here. You're talking yeah. to me. Big smile on your face. Yeah. You really love what you're doing. Uh, but, you know, talking to, you know, Tony Kilcoyne, talking yeah. to Shafiq Ali, who was also on this podcast, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, she does a lot of stuff with uh, mental dental on Facebook yeah. and and uh, what's you know the, I've forgotten the the the, the, the helpline that she set up as well. Yeah. I do apologize. It's 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 in a previous podcast. Yeah. But she helps people who have problems, you know, crises in dentistry, yeah. and you know she goes about 90 percent of the people that call up are young dentists who yeah. are really really struggling. Yeah. You know. So I just feel kind of, you know, I feel sorry for your generation I because there's so is. much pressure on you guys to, to to perform really well because of everything that you see on social yeah. media. But then you haven't kind of been given that undergraduate and and even then, you know, postgraduate kind of like uh, experience to yeah. be able to execute the cases that you yeah. all want to do. I think a lot of it's uh, swept under the rug. I right. think people don't like to talk about their failures or if they're feeling, if they're struggling with something. Yeah. And I feel like that's because people will think that they'd, it puts them in a vulnerable capacity, really. Something that somebody mentioned the other day was like, if uh, if you've done something wrong, yeah. For example, if an, if if like an associate does something wrong or a principal does something wrong, report them to the GDC. They end up doing like reporting each other to the GDC. So the principal will report the. Mm. Uh, associate to the GDC, the associate will find somebody to report the principal to the GDC about. Mm. Nobody's going to win in that situation. So if, you, if you're if you scared about people, like you've done something wrong, mm -hmm. people are going to judge you on that. And I feel like it's very much, you don't know who's going to say what or do what. And it's very, that's what I'm saying, that safe space. that You know that even if things didn't go right, you've got people that you can talk to who understand you. And I think, you know, something like, you know, an anonymous phone call, you can have that conversation they're not going to know anything. It's going to stay where it is. It's yeah. a safe space for yeah. them. Whereas I don't feel like Instagram, social media, Facebook, etc., is very much a safe space for a lot of people. No, absolutely not. And uh, personal opinion, I, I absolutely hate social media. I think it's just... I won't post you then. <laughs> uh, it's there. I don't know. You probably think yeah. I'm a hypocrite because I no. do post every so often. But no. it's kind of just like... <sighs> I just think it really has, you know, caused a lot of damage to the profession. But yeah. anyway, that's that's a topic for another day. Yeah. But going back to you, so what's next for you? So for me, yeah. um, I'm currently in the process of looking for a new associate job. Cool. Um, you know, a bit stereotypical, but I am looking for a bit more private potential. You're right. Um, and I just want to see how that goes. I want to be somewhere long term mm -hmm. so I can see my clinical failures and what I can improve on. I think that's really important is to be able to look back at your work and see how shit you what well, looked good at the time yeah. and how shit it is five years down the line and see where it failed or where something could have been improved. And I think that's really important. So I want to say somewhere, somewhere long-term, I don't want to chop and change between practices because you'll never see your failures that way. And I think that's really important um, to have. And I think you need to have a practice which has the same kind of ethos as you do. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. Some of them just want you to bash out the UDAs or bash out the patients, make the money. Other ones actually genuinely care about the patients. And that's the kind of practice I want to be in. Yeah. And for me, it's just finding that. And like I said, it is an associate world right now. So I've had I've been offered a couple of jobs already. Brilliant. I'm like, I've got a couple that I'm more I'm waiting for. Yeah. Like to he like to go and visit the practice this week, next week, and I'll make my decision after that. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like I wanna fit in well where I work. 
Yeah. And I want to do the dentistry that I want to do mm-hmm. and do it to the best of my ability. I think that's really important. Still only four days a week? Still only four days a week. Still only four days a week. Amazing. I feel like yeah. one day off, all my admin, mm. all my extracurricular stuff, I can get all that stuff done. Yeah. Get that done. And then the weekend with the family. Or sometimes, for example, it, I'm saying four days. The occasional I'll do the five day first Saturday that I'm doing privately. Okay. So but that's what that's and that'll be a half day, won't be a full day, anyways. So um it just helps me um having a day off during the week and it helps me spend time with my mum because me and my sisters take it in turns to spend time with my mum at home. But mm. then on the weekends we're all together, so that's 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 nice. That's really lovely. Yeah. And power to you. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> very good. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming in today. And thank you very much for having me. No, it's been a pleasure. And thank you for, you know, giving me an insight into your world, yeah. giving me an insight into your generation's way of thinking, yeah. which is very different to my generation's way of thinking. And that's why I'm doing this, because yeah. I want to learn. I want to understand, you know, what's changed, yeah. really. And uh, it's been very, very insightful. Yeah. Very, very, you know, I've learned, I've learned a lot today. I've learned a lot today. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, the tell you student became the master. <laughs> the student became the master. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I found really interesting yeah. is how somebody, you know, TPD would tell you that you don't want to be doing more than a thousand UDAs. Yeah. You don't want to be working more than four days a week. It's yeah. kind of just like, you know, I just remember, and it's a generational difference, definitely. And in fact, you know, Tony Kilcoyne's going to come and talk to us yeah. about the difference between the generations. <laughs> and, you know, this influences the way people are taught you know we'd learn in different ways but also what our aspirations and expectations are and how they differ when i qualified i was you know really chomping at the bit to just get out there and work maybe they still exist maybe people like they still exist i don't know but you know i for quite a few years worked seven days a week weirdo (laughs) you say that but that's normal thing you know there's there's so many you know do you not feel burnt out yeah, but it's gone. Did you just feel that that was a norm? I, you know what the thing is? Okay, I think COVID has changed a lot of people's perspective Definitely. of what they it value. Cha- it certainly changed my perspective. Exactly. That's, that's why I slowed down, yeah. There you go. But prior it's, to COVID, I was going I think it. that's what's yeah. where the COVID, where the COVID era, right? Yeah. So we were in that position where we never got to say bye to our friends. Everybody went off to do their separate things. Yeah. Like, you know, people lost loved ones, etc. It makes your perceptive your perception of everything change changed because yeah. of COVID, yeah. and I think that's why people are like, slow down. I want you know I want a house with a garden rather than a flat. Do you get me? People mm. were there was an uptick in that houses being sold with gardens, and people moving out of the city because you couldn't go anywhere, yeah. and it's how much you'd valued a little bit of green space. Yeah, I just think that I'm slow to catch up with what the current way of thinking yeah. is that's all so do you, you've, you've do you regret me. working seven days a week never no no and i did your back not hurt did your neck not hurt <laughs> it did it did and uh come on crippled yeah, people, people look at me now and think oh god is he only like 41 <laughs> but, we'll get you some uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no 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 but it's it's no seriously i yeah. just uh, maybe you know there's there's a Maybe it's something to explore in another podcast, the psychology behind work. I don't know. But, you know, I always, always just, I'm going to get out there and I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to hammer it out. As but if you much do good dentistry, the money comes. It does, but I'm not just a dentist. 
I'm not just a dentist. I do, do you remember? I, don't I do forget, many, you're many a you're a husband and you're a father, I am and indeed. that should be comfort before anything else. Absolutely. Spending time with your family. Oh, and it does absolutely it does. And you know, my wife helps me to know when to help me do everything that we do together. Yeah. So absolutely, yeah. No, it's a joint effort. But uh, just it's just interesting to to hear that one day a week is safe for admin, whereas for me it was like that you just do in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> but you know times change and that's yeah. good and that's cool it's, it's interesting to hear yeah so yeah there's no power to you and there's nothing wrong with it nothing yeah. wrong with it at all it's just interesting to hear the difference in um in in, in the attitudes there that's all yeah yeah it's got difference but i think you know at each to their own some people will work six seven days yeah credit to them mm. um i don't want to do it mm. I don't think I'll ever do it. Mm-hmm. Like there was part of me sometimes, oh yeah, I'll work six days a week, I'll make loads of money. And then when I started, I was like, absolutely not. I was like, when you get into that associate role, I was like, absolutely not. I need I need the mental space to do real things. I need to be able to enjoy life. Because I feel like throughout dental school, you don't, re- well, for me, I didn't really enjoy life. I was like, for me, it was getting my degree. Mm-hmm. So for me, is I want to do everything that probably students did <laughs> during, I didn't travel that much because I was like, oh, what if I don't pass this exam? Like, I can't go on holiday. What if I always sat on the edge yeah. of the stuff like that. So for me, it was I'm trying to enjoy life as much as possible now yeah. and spend as much time as I can with my family. And that's really important, especially my mum. And that, for me, is above and beyond. That's the priority. Yeah, Absolutely. The priority. Now, you know, that's just... I'm just going to finish on yeah. this. I'm going to finish on this because I had this conversation with Tony. Yeah. Kilcoin. Yeah. And he said... And we're going to talk about this because Tony's coming in this yeah. later. We're going to record a, a, another podcast. Yeah. Um, he said the biggest difference between your generation and the new generation, because he's the generation above me, yeah. was we see our jobs as an integral part of our life. And that is going to be an integral part of our life. And we are what we are. <coughs> yeah. Kind of thing. You know, work is a necessary part of life. Yeah. Whereas the generation, your generation, yeah. is kind of, no, I have my life, I have my lifestyle, and work has to fit, fit around that, that mm-hmm. and fund it, but it's not the be-all and end-all. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, 100%. Relate to that? It's like, you should work to live, not live to work. Yeah. And that's that, that, that really sits with me. I was like, yeah, I work to live my life and to do what I want to do, mm-hmm. not work, not... I get up in the morning, I have to go to work kind of thing. Yeah. It's because I want to make the money to be able to have the, have the experiences to live in a certain in a, in a certain way. And that's what I want to do. So if it means that I'm only working one less day, one less day a week, mm-hmm. um, I can make that sacrifice for to be able to do other things. Yeah. Just try new brunch places is one of my new things. Very cool. <laughs> that's nice. Nice to hear. It's interesting. Very cool. Oh, no, very good. I should learn a thing or two. I should learn a thing or two. Both learn something to you. Absolutely. Well, once again, thank you so much for coming in thank today. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, well, I'll see you at another conference very soon, huh? Yeah. Bear in mind, me and uh, me and Evan live in the same town and you just never... You even offer me a lift in today. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm a busy guy. What can I say? I was working this morning. <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> Thanks again. All right. Thank you.